Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Mary Chopper Live. We try to start off with a topic to begin with before we take calls. And if you'd like to call and talk to us directly, you can by calling 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. And when you hear the answer, be sure to press the number one, and that puts you in the queue so you can talk to a call screener and finally get to us here. Now, the topic that we start with on this program is how can I learn to trust again if something has occurred with my spouse where that trust has been broken? And that can be any number of things. It could be a person lies continually and and finally that's just too much. It could be you find out that the other person is gambling. I mean, there are all kinds of things. Infidelity, of course. You see, typically at the beginning of a relationship, unless you've been hurt in previous relationships, you start with a level of trust that's just anticipated. Like, for example, the fact that you love me and I love you means I can trust you at least to some degree. But when that trust is violated, can you get it back again? Sometimes people will say, no, no, once they have lied to you, then you can never trust them again. But, you know, if you think about that, you've probably on occasion lied somewhere along the line. Does that mean that you have become a liar? Not necessarily. And so if someone has done something that violated your trust, even if in the process when you tried to question them about it, they lied to you, it is still possible to trust again. Now, there are three, I'm sorry, three key principles that must be followed if you're going to do that. Number one, you must decide that you are willing to risk it again. What I mean by that is if you're going to try to put the relationship back together and try to rebuild trust, but you're not going to risk actually trusting, it's going to work against you because of the fact that you'll be denying whatever they say. You'll be questioning whatever they say, all those kinds of things, and it just won't work unless you, number one, are willing to take that risk. And so think it through. If we want to rebuild trust in this relationship, am I willing to trust? Am I willing, therefore, to risk the fact that I might be hurt again? Because if you don't, Forget the other two principles. Now, the second principle is this. The person that has violated the trust, I mean, your spouse or you, if you're the one who did that, the person who did whatever it was that broke the relationship, broke the trust in the relationship, has to be sorry for the fact that he or she did so and willing to make whatever changes they need to do to be able to let trust back again and to make the marriage good again. Because even if you're willing to trust again, to make that risk, and the other person doesn't get it, they don't, they don't understand how much they hurt you. They're not willing to make whatever changes they need to make. And so it's kind of difficult to trust a person again if they say, oh, yeah, I did bad, but let's just go ahead. Let's forget about it, move on. Everything's fine. They have to understand the pain they've caused you to the degree that they're willing to make whatever changes they need to make. If they won't do that, it's almost impossible to rebuild trust. And then number three is if both those first two things happen, number three is that you need to make some criteria. Now, sometimes people talk about a thing called boundaries, but when we talk about it, we use the word STOP. It's an acronym. It means a safeguard that offers protection. Now, the reason we don't use the word boundaries anymore is because so many people use it to mean so many different things in so many different ways that it really doesn't make sense anymore to me, the way that people talk about it. 
And it should not be something where you try to control the other person. Remember, the first principle was you've got to be willing to risk it again. That means you're not going to become mama or papa. You're not going to be the person that's the dictator over the other person. You can't rebuild trust if you have to watch everything they do every minute. But you can build some safeguards that offer protection. So, for example, if the trust was broken because of the fact that your spouse has been gambling secretly and put you guys into a financial burden, one of the safeguards that offer protection might be, I need to be able to see where every penny of our money goes. I need to be able to have access to every penny of our money. Or if the person were unfaithful, it may be, I need access to know where you are and what you're doing. And for the next six months, I mean, to the point where it might even be uncomfortable for you. But if I'm going to be able to trust you again, I need to know where you are because of the fact that beforehand, when I thought I knew where you were, you were actually seeing this other person. Now, you might be saying, but wait a minute, can you talk about every scenario here? And the answer is, no, I can't. By the way, this is our CEO at Marriage Helper, Kimberly Holmes, and she's going to be helping me to this program. Kimberly, we can't possibly tell people every scenario and come up with a suggestion for a stop in every situation. We could. That's called <laughs> coaching. That's called. <laughs> <laughs> and it so happens one on one. Yeah, at our organization, we have amazing coaches that are able to connect with people, hear their specific situations, and given the foundational principles that we teach in the larger settings like this on our live show, on our podcast, on our YouTube videos, those are the what we call the 80% foundational principles that we teach. Then there's that extra 20% that's going to be unique to your situation. And being able to get a coach who's a non-biased third party whose focus is going to be to help you save your marriage, that is going to be huge in helping you navigate those unique situations. Because people do hear this and they say, but you don't understand this, that, or the other has happened. And that's why on this program, we mm -hmm. can't give you every single scenario. Right. It has to be somebody who talks to you, right. who understands your situation. Now, they will not decide what your stops should be, but they'll right. help you think it through, sure. help you think about what should it be, and if a person violates the stop, what needs mm -hmm. to happen. Mm -hmm. So I hope you heard all three of those principles, and then we're ready to go into the program. By the way, if they want to know about coaching in our program, how do they do that? Yeah, you can visit us at marriagehelper.com. <laughs> you can find more about our workshops and our online courses that we have there. And then if you want to know more about coaching, then you can give us a call at 866-903-0990. Again, that is 866-903-0990. I've been telling her she goes through I telephone numbers way too fast. And so now she's doing it slowly. I did. But yes, we would love, we have a team that will answer that call, connect you with one of our client relations representatives who can let you know about our coaches, how coaching can help you and get you started with that. Our coaches, honestly, they are, they're incredible. I love our coaches. They're they well amazing trained and things. certified by us at Marriage Helper. That's why so let's go to our first caller here and we'll be going to Chris in Florida. Hi, Chris. Are you there? Chris, yes, can you hear us? Yes. How many of you today? Mm-hmm. Hi, so I just got a, uh, I guess a, a few questions for you. Uh, just give me okay, one we second. can answer one. We'll have time okay, for one. Uh, so what's, so the, what's the most important question? Um, so my, my wife and I have been separated for about four months now. Um, married for 10 years. We have three kids together. And uh, so I'm, I've been working on the, the pies um, and trying to do smart contact as well. And uh, she seems to kind of come back at some times and, 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 and move away at some times. Um, she's mm -hmm. living with her mom and her sister, who are, uh, in my opinion, are, are negative influences. But, um, you know, that's a mm -hmm. whole other long story. Um, mm -hmm. But just, you know, um, I'm also speaking to a counselor on my own, and she's kind of suggested to me that it sounds, you know, a lot like a textbook, um, 
midlife crisis kind of thing. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to be patient with her. Obviously I love her very much and she's the mother of my children and, you know, she's, she's like my soulmate. So, um, I just don't know how, you know, how she? she's 34. Uh, we're both 34. Okay. Um, I'm in the so military, so she's kind of, what, what would you understand a midlife crisis to be? What is your understanding of that? Well, uh, I mean, just basically from what she's told me is, is, you know, she's, she's supported me, uh, you know, for, for, as far as being just, you know, very emotionally supportive. And when we've moved around with the military and, and things mm-hmm. like that. And, and uh, she, she said that she kind of has felt like she's always just been giving and giving and now it's her time to, to give to herself. Um, and she says, you know, she knows that it sounds selfish, but she needs to, to find herself and that, that kind of thing. Okay. And your counselor is calling that a midlife crisis. That's yeah. That's a, the term that she used. Yeah, at 34. It's interesting. Okay, so you really want to save this marriage, is that correct? Absolutely, more than anything. Okay. And so can you phrase the question specifically for me so I make sure that I don't answer what you're not asking? So give me one succinct question we can help to understand here, Chris. Um, basically, what, what can I do to, to help? Obviously, I work on my pies, but um, what can I do mm-hmm. to help her along this journey? Um, to kind of be able to find her self-fulfillment and, and her, you know, her own path that she's looking for, her independence, and, and still, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, get, get her back. Okay. All right. That's a reasonable question. When we think about this, what I heard Chris say, and you help me make sure I understand this correctly, is that she felt that she's given, that she's been the one moving behind him, all those kinds of things. She's yeah, moved around. I can understand that. <clears throat> and so sometimes we have to try to figure out what is it that the other person's actually looking for? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Miss psychologist, mm-hmm. since that's your degree, tell me what you think it is that she might be looking for in a situation as was described. Oh my goodness. Well, well, my first thing that that I would ask is, has Chris asked her? Mm-hmm. I don't know if she would know the answer to that question or not, but that would be my first thing of, well, has she even been asked, what is it that you feel like would make you happy? What do you feel like you're looking for? But in this kind of situation, you know, I saw it a lot with military wives when my husband was in the military. You do lose your sense of identity, especially when your husband's job can upturn your life at any given month. You move to a new place, you lose your friends, you feel like you're starting all over again. And on top of that, being a mom where you're giving all of, you don't have anything steady, first of all, and then you're giving all that you do have into your kids. And so there's this sense of what is my purpose? Where, where can, where's my value? And it very well may be that she feels unappreciated, unvalued. She doesn't know where she gets, where's her thing? Okay, so when you ask her, Chris, what is it that you want? Has she been able to specify what it is that she's looking for, what she wants? Um, yeah, honestly, it's almost word for word what what she just said. Kimberly, um, you just yeah, just finding that identity, finding her own purpose. You know, she says that she's she has been fulfilled at being a wife and being a mother, but that's not enough for mm-hmm. her. Um, right, and I, I completely understand that. Um, yeah, I just uh, you don't want to lose her. You love her. Of course. Right? Of course. Okay. Well, my friend, if you can turn the cord down to things like that, where you say, okay, what's the core of what she's looking for? Mm-hmm. So, Kimberly, if you were going to succinctly repeat what you said, but look at the core, what would you understand the core of that is? Is it like, I need... She wants a sense of purpose. I want a sense of purpose, a mm-hmm. sense of being valued of my right. own. Okay. Then, Chris, if that's the case, then you can definitely help her do that. Yeah. 
Because if you understand, then, then it can lead to some other conversations where mm-hmm. you say, okay, help me understand what would help you feel that sense of purpose. How, what would help you feel that sense of value? Now, she might start by saying, well, just being out on, on my own, being away from you. And if she says that, don't panic and don't argue. If she says that, say, I get that. But can, can you be more specific? What is it that you're looking for that you believe will help fulfill you? And if you pay attention and listen closely, then you're looking for the things that you can actually assist her in gaining, not give to her, because that's not going to work. It's mm-hmm. like, I still don't have my sense of purpose if you're trying to take care of me like your daddy mm-hmm. bear. But if you understand, say, okay, I can understand you're looking for that. Before we take the step of you moving on and going to somebody else, can I help you in some way reach that? Not giving it to you, not being the father here because we're husband and wife, but how would you say that? Well, <clears throat> first of all, she may not know. So I'm going to step back a little bit okay. more. She may not know. She may just be feeling this void and honestly not know. So at first, it may just be, you know, if she's saying things like, it's away from you, she may need a break, not a separation. That's not what I'm saying. She may weekly need a break for four hours, for five hours, just every Monday, whatever it might be, where the kids are being cared for by someone else where she's able to just go do something, just step away and think. I mean, this could be a start to it. I don't know her. Um, But saying like, if she says that, or if you offer that, then helping find the child care for that, for her to be able to just step away and do something on her own. Now, when you say step away, do you mean leave the marriage? No, 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 no. Okay. For like five hours a week doing something where the kids are being taken care of by someone else because a military family, probably not family around, to be mm-hmm. able to do that. Right. It's expensive. So it may be if you're involved in a church, you're finding people who would be willing for just a couple of hours a week to watch the kids while she can just step away and dream mm-hmm. and her to go to a coffee shop and just start writing down what are the things she wants to do. And then from there, it could move into maybe she wants to start volunteering at a soup kitchen, whatever. I mean, whatever it is, when she comes back to Chris and says, here's what I want to do, then he says, awesome, I'm going to help you do that. Okay. And so it's something I'm going to help you do, but not do right. for you. Not do for you. And it may not mean he does it with her. It may mean that she goes and does it. And he knows every Saturday from nine to 11, he's got the kids. But he has to be supportive. In he it. has to support her being able to go do it because otherwise she feels trapped and mm-hmm. she does lose her like identity. It's all about you when right now mm-hmm. I want to make sure that you're actually supporting me right. rather than me always supporting you. Yes. And so there's going to be compromise where you learn how each of you can get what you need, realizing both people who are, I say, in the military, because I, the, the spouses are part of the military as much as the soldier is. It's just different. And mm-hmm. so as she's supporting you, then you need to be sure you support back to her. And I know it's hard, especially when there's no family around, especially when childcare is expensive and, I mean, all of those things. But those are all just examples. But you have to figure out what's important to her and right. move forward from and that. And even if it requires a little bit of sacrifice. Right. So it's, it's a better to make mm-hmm. a small sacrifice to save the marriage than mm-hmm. not to make the sacrifice and lose the marriage. Right. Okay, we're going to move now to Jessica in Missouri. Hi, Jessica. Can you hear us? Okay. I can. Good afternoon, Dr. Beam. Um, and I want to thank you for what you've done. You're the first video I found Limerence was the first video I watched, and mm-hmm. it made at least what he's going through make sense because um, it couldn't make sense. None of it made sense. I've been married 31 years, and mm-hmm. I, my discovery date was October. I'm sorry, November of last year. And okay. it seems every two months I discover that there's still communication. Um, mm-hmm. Last that I could establish was in August. They had a 
half an hour conversation about how happy they are and let's make plans and what have you. October, her husband and I communicated and he said, oh yeah, she's not communicating him, but he's still communicating with her. He's still attempting to reach out to her. At least that's the husband's perspective. Right, exactly. Well, that's their, in their counseling sessions, that's what she's admitting to. Okay, because okay. they're in marriage right. counseling as well. Um, okay. I tried marriage counseling, but as long as we were in counseling and he was also in individual counseling, he was not being even truthful there with his own counselor or mm-hmm. with the marriage counselor. Gotcha. So uh, now we're at two weeks out from this latest discovery, and it's, nope, this time it's different. I love you. I want to be here. Uh, it's, 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 I'm over her. I'm done. You know, you have to believe me. I love you. I want our marriage. When do I mm-hmm. believe a word? When do I believe after you can look me in the eye and say, I'm being honest with you for the last 11 months, at what point do I believe you today? Okay. And that's a very reasonable question. You know, we often hear it phrased this way, Jessica. People will say, you know, one of the most painful things about this whole thing is that my spouse kept lying to me. Now, please don't hear this as being facetious. I'm not trying to be facetious, not in any shape, fashion, or form. But I always ask back when a person says that, well, what did you expect that person to do? If he or she, he or she were continuing to do something they need not do, that they shouldn't be doing, and you're asking about it, then either A, they're going to confess it and stop it, but if they're not ready to stop it, mm-hmm. they're going to lie. And so while it's not good, and I understand you're thinking that's terrible, why lie to me, that's the biggest pain in this, or at least a big pain in this, it's what people do. Now, understand that if she really is not reciprocating, if indeed hubby is right, the other husband and indeed, she's not reciprocating. She's not contacting him. If that's the truth, then it won't be terribly long until this finally extinguishes itself. Because when it comes to limerence, how limerence ends, one of the ways it ends is that the other person stops reciprocating. They stop feeding back that emotion. And this person, at first, if the other person doesn't reciprocate, so like if I'm in limerence with Sally Sue, and, and Sally Sue cuts all contact with me, in the short term, that actually intensifies what I do which may be what was happening in those 11 months when he was still lying to you, that he intensified his behavior toward her because he was trying to get her to somehow change her mind and come back. That would be very, very typical. Now, at some point, though, that begins to wane. What I mean is if she continues to not really respond in the way that he wants, then eventually his limerence begins to fade. It starts going backwards and can eventually and will eventually end. So, you say, well, should I keep believing him? Now, obviously, that's up to you. I mean, you have to make that decision. But in the situation you're describing, it sounds as if it's kind of typical. Well, I hate to use the word because it's so abused, but it's kind of a typical textbook situation of he's, he's winding down. And because of the fact that she's not giving him what he wants, he's winding down. And so the lies actually should wind down as well. Now, if you're saying, well, I can't trust him again because he lied, that's your privilege if you want to. But if you're saying, okay, it looks to me like this is getting better. It looks to me like he's finally getting to where he needs to get to. Should I choose to believe him? Then I recommend that you go back to how we started the program today and look at those three things. Am I really willing to do this? And number two, does he get it? Does he understand how much hurt he gave me and, and therefore willing to do what it takes? Really, truly willing to do what it takes. And then number three is those stops. 
those safeguards that offer protections. And in your particular case, it might be, I need some way to know that you're not having contact with her. So, and I'm just giving some examples now. This is where, what Kimberly said earlier, one of our coaches could be better because he or she would listen. And after listening, help you understand what's the best, but it could be something like, I've got to have access to your cell phone, or I need access to your email, or I want to look at your Facebook page or whatever it might be, but you can set a safeguard that offers protection. So in my opinion, and, and of course, I'm basing it just on what you said, because I don't know anything else about the situation. It sounds as if it's going the right direction. Good for the fact that the woman is no longer reciprocating. Great. I'm glad that's happening. Now, he will eventually lose limerence because of that. But it doesn't happen that fast. It takes a while to work down. What would you like to add to that, Kimberly? Amen. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to Becky in Arizona then. Hi, Becky. How may we help you? Hello. Becky? So, hello? Hello? Are you driving? You must be driving in a car. Is that right? No, I'm outside at a park. Here, let me okay. try and figure this out. Hello, is this better? Oh, oh yeah. Much, much, much better. Thank you so okay. much. Okay. How may awesome. we help you today? <laughs> So my husband has been using pornography for 11 years of our 13-year marriage, and mm-hmm. I told him how much it hurt me, mm-hmm. and he still kept doing it, he kept lying, he kept promising, I won't do it, I'm so sorry, and it happened again this last December, and it's escalated into something physical, he swears he didn't do it, but I found evidence, and I just can't get to the point where I can be nice acting towards him again because I don't believe him at all Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I I don't know like what to do because I hate being as cold and frigid and emotionally numb as I've as I've been these past few months but I just I just can't get out of it well obviously that's your decision do you want to save this marriage yes okay so what I'm hearing Kimberly is that you uh Becky are are manifesting anger toward him. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And that if I'm hearing what you said, then you're not really having any warm spots or warm moments with him at all. It's all being cold or distant and angry at this point. Is that correct? Um, cold and distant. The anger, I mean, is I just <clears throat> keep it on the back burner. It, there's no point in it. Okay. And so how long have you been being cold and distant to him? Oh, gosh, we're going on almost a year now. Okay, so why is he still with you? I don't know. Okay, could it he be? He says because he loves me. <laughs> oh, could it be he's telling you the truth? It could be. Okay. Okay, I hear a lot of doubt in that. If you're going to guess percentage-wise, like, okay, that's 25% of being true, 85% of being true, just pick a number and take a guess. What do you think it is? I don't know, 40, 45% of being true. Okay, so you really don't trust this guy at all. Now, you want to no. save the marriage. You you still love him. Mm-hmm. And he says he loves you. And that would seem to be a reasonable thing that if he's still there. I mean, anybody in a relationship where the other person is being cold and distant and you're still there almost a year later, and unless he just has no place else to go, then that probably indicates he loves you and he really wants this thing put back together. Wouldn't that sound right to you? Yes. Okay. 
So what are you going to do to get past this pain and to be able to establish trust again? Have you done anything to try to reestablish trust, like setting up some what people call boundaries, we call stops, anything like that? Um, well, I have access to his computer, all his passwords are saved, and he says he doesn't mind me checking, and I do, but I mean, there's incognito mode, and now he's turned off his GPS because of the physical thing that possibly happened, and mm-hmm. I'm, I feel kind of done just checking. I don't need to police him. I asked for therapy, and he agreed, and then he said it was stupid and useless, so hmm. that's not even an option. Really? How old is he? He is 43. Okay. Now, if he really wants to save the marriage and you want therapy, uh, do you think you're in a position where you can say that that this is going to happen or here's the negative consequence that's going to occur? I don't like ultimatums. And the only negative consequence would be like either, you know, we go to therapy and fix this or we can live in misery with each other or we can separate. And separation, I really don't want to do that. I don't blame you either. Uh, We are not big on separation unless somebody is in danger. But if you keep doing what you're doing now, why do you expect anything's going to be different than what it is now? I don't. I just feel stuck. Okay. And so you're content to live the rest of your life like this? No, I'm not content. Okay. So then if you're not content to live the rest of your life like this, then it would appear to me that you have to do something to change what's occurring. I mean, wouldn't that sound logical? Yes. Okay. But, but you don't, I, here, help me here, Kimberly, because what, what I'm hearing is this, that, that you don't like ultimatums, and I surely get that. But if you're not putting in a stop, in other words, here's a safeguard that offers protection that has some kind of consequence to it, why would you anticipate he's going to change? I mean, if you hope that he just all of a sudden fills up with enough love with you that he controls this, that would be awesome. But a man who's been doing this for 11 years, it's probably not just some whim. If he's been doing it for 11 years, it's probably what we would sometimes refer to in counseling as being an addiction. Do you think that's right or not? Yes. Okay. And if you're going to deal with an addict, whatever the addiction might be, then just hoping it gets better on its own typically isn't going to work. Typically with an addict, if you're going to get an addict to do something, it's going to have to be something that you require. Like, like, you know, I need you to do this. And if you just ask for that, they may or may not do it. But if you put it with a stop, like a safeguard that offers protection, like I need to know where you are. Therefore, you need to turn the uh, GPS back on your phone. And, and while I don't like checking behind you, looking in on things, et cetera, if we're going to reestablish trust, I need to do that. Because what I'm hearing, and, and forgive me if I'm hearing it wrong, is that you're just kind of hoping things are going to get better on their own when it sounds to me like that somebody has to do something. And if it's not going to be him, then there's only one person left. Yeah, I'm not just sitting here, you know, hoping that it magically gets better. That that definitely is unrealistic. And But mm-hmm. it's just I don't know how to move forward this time. I was always able to move forward these past few years, but something was different this time for some reason. And I just, I just feel I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this limbo and I don't know how to move forward. Right. Well, in addition to the stops, which is safeguards that offers protection, there's also a thing we call a core, C-O-R-E, and that's continuing a relationship essential. Sometimes we'll call those 
criteria. It'd be like, okay, either you set a stop, like this has to stop, or you set a criteria, a core. If we're going to continue our relationship, this is essential. This has to happen. And it could be, I need you to get therapy. It could be, I need us to go to therapy together. It could be whatever. And I understand you're being in limbo right now. I really do, because you can finally get so overwhelmed. You just get tired. Like, I'm just tired of dealing with this. Yet, I'm understanding that you love him because of the fact that you haven't left him. And if you love him and if he loves you, then this situation has gone on for 11 years with him lying. It does not sound to me like it's going to get better by itself. That means you're going to have to get some kind of help somewhere, somehow. And if you don't, then then at some point, this limbo that you're in is going to change. My guess would be that it's going to deteriorate. What I mean by that is if you don't uh-huh. do something about this, if you keep living in this limbo, finally you're just going to get so tired of living like this that it's like either you're going to resign yourself to be miserable or you're going to make an action then. But when you do that, based on that point, like I've finally gotten to the end of my rope, your action is probably going to be more reactive than planned. And so my strong yeah. suggestion would be that even though you don't really want to do it right now, my strong suggestion would be that you really need to talk to somebody that can help you with this. Have you ever gone to the uh, website sexhelp.com, S-E-X-H-E-L-P.com? No. Okay. That's uh, associated with Patrick Carnes, and it's really got some good material information there. If you're religious, there's a different site uh, called xxxchurch.com, based on which one you want, religious help or other help. But there's some good sites out there that can give you insight as to what you need to do next when it comes to this kind of thing. And so I, I, I feel hurt for you that you're in this limbo right now. But unless he's going to do something you're going to have to do something or it's just going to get worse. It sounds to me. Would you tend to agree with that Kimberly or not? Mm-hmm, I would. It's a hard place to be. It's definitely a hard place to be. It's a hard place. Because I think you've got two people here that love each other. Yeah, they, yeah. And with situations like that, I mean, in any kind of addiction that you're talking about, even when we talk about limerence, there's also a level of empathy that, that the spouse who's being hurt, I think, needs to begin to to understand that this person, mm-hmm. they probably don't want to be doing this. You know, they know they're hurting me. They're no, they know they're hurting their family. But it's it gets to a part where you see the struggle mm-hmm. and you're like, I just want to help them. And sometimes just reframing that can help you get the whatever the word, the oomph you need to be able to set those stops and those cores because it's, you're doing this to intervene, to help, to stop something from happening because this person doesn't have enough strength to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. Now, of course we have our own coaches, but they're not Mm -hmm. specifically trained in sexual behavior, Mm -hmm. but they are trained in how to have relationship behavior. Mm -hmm. And if you want to call and talk to one of our coaches, what you do is you call our number that, uh, that we give throughout the program and you can talk about setting up some sessions with our coaches. Yes, that is correct. You were about to say something. It's, also, it's a different subject. Before we go to the next caller. Okay. This is our 50th live show. Oh yes. It's very exciting. And since we do one a year, <laughs> we do one a week. So we're almost to our one year anniversary. We're almost to the one year anniversary, but we wanted to do something special to celebrate our 50th live show. So we are giving away a save my marriage course. Yeah. Yes. 
very exciting. You can go to marriagehelper.com slash live to enter into the giveaway. So again, that's marriagehelper.com slash live for our live show. And you can, if you want to enter in to be nominated, not nominated, but to enter into the drawing to win the Save My Marriage course, then you go there, you can fill out the form and we're going to leave it up for a week. So next week we'll announce the winner of the Save My Marriage course on the live show by using the first name and the state. And then we'll, of course, contact that person through email and through phone to let them know that they've won the course. But we, if that is something that you've been wanting, I would encourage you to enter to win because we're giving one away. Oh, be happy to do that. Yeah, it's exciting. So now let's go to Utah. Now, is your name Shan or Sean? I'm not reading it very well on the screen here. Um, it's Sean. Okay, Sean, I'm sorry. And how may we help you today? Yeah, so thank you so much, Dr. Beam. I've been listening to you and Kimberly for the last year and a half, and just want to say thank you for saving my life essentially over the last year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. and so well, thank you. So thank you. Um, so my husband and I have been in an open marriage for the last one and a half years, and it's been a mass disaster. And so though, um, so his relationship essentially turned into what we define here as a real affair over this last year. Um, I was completely replaced as his wife, he moved out. Uh, she came up and met his family, his friends. Um, all of our rules went out the window in regards to our open marriage. Um, but he called me on Monday night and told me he loved me, missed me, and wanted to come home. Um, and this was Monday, uh, after the last year and a half. So um, really big wow. milestone there. And then on mm-hmm. Tuesday, um, he broke up with her and... So we are just starting our process of reconciliation. And though we were open, um, the trauma and the destruction that has been done feels like a real affair. And we both feel like we need a lot of help in finding trust again. Um, And so though he broke up with her already this week, he's still very distant and not wanting to spend a lot of time together. And there's still a lot of coldness, distance, and lack of connection, obviously, on our end. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're past the hardest part of him being in the valley and finally cutting up with her. But... I'm finding that it's still very hard to connect currently because we're both scared and not really sure where to even start rebuilding this. Um, mm-hmm. And though we were open, we still broke all of our trust in our marriage. Um, I had lied mm-hmm. and emotionally cheated with my open partner um, at the beginning. And then as a result of that, he fell into his relationship. Um, and, you know, he was mass and his relationship was obviously massively amplified compared to mine becoming a full blown affair. Mine did not. Um, but he doesn't see it this way because he thinks we weren't together once he proposed divorce on me in February. So he feels justified in him being in the relationship with her given mm-hmm. because we were open to our dynamic and then said over, um, because we were over, um, you know, he's justified in having this relationship with her. So he doesn't think he's done anything wrong. Um, and I know he loves me and I know he's made the decision to cut it off with her, but he's still distant. And I think it's also because of the trauma that's happened, um, through us going through this last year and a half. And mm-hmm. so he plans on moving home in two weeks from now. And I'm just scared that there's been so much disruption that we'll get stuck in the, you know, that he'll be home again and, you know, he won't be talking to her anymore. Um, we're both too scared to break down the walls and rebuild this, um, even though we want so to. So why do you think he's, uh, why do you think he's ending it with her? Um, I mean, he, he called on Monday and I mean, she, she came up here and for his birthday on October 10th, just a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago and met his family 
and we were having 30 days of no contact. And, um, you know, I had seen pictures on her Instagram of um, both of them, you know, intimate pictures and everything. And so at that point I was like, my marriage is over. Like there's just no, mm-hmm. but, but my question is, why do you think he's ending it with her? I mean, he says it's because he loves me and misses me and that during that dinner on his birthday, the only thing he could think about was how much he wanted to be with me. Okay. And so do you believe he's telling you the truth about that? Um, yes, but I think I'm so traumatized from this whole thing and with him leaving me, um, that it's hard mm-hmm. to kind of that. So no, I understand I also, that. Yeah. And I think I'm just, I'm worried that he's not coming back for me. Um, you know, that he's coming back just because of the life that we've built together and, you know, so but, when he comes back, when he comes back, are you anticipating that you're going to continue with an open marriage? Is that what you or he or both of you are thinking? No, absolutely not. We, we are definitely never doing this again. <laughs> Worst mistake of okay. our life. Uh, most destructive thing that we've ever done for a marriage because yeah. we had a perfect marriage. So, Right, understand. And and um, I don't know if, they, if this makes any difference to you or not, but every couple that I've helped where that I've personally been involved when they had an open marriage always wound up in the same situation that you're describing, that eventually one of you or both of you wound up getting emotionally connected to another person, or, or as you phrased it, wound up in a full fledged affair. Now, the fact that you're worried about him coming home actually makes sense. The fact that you're wondering, is he really coming for me? is very human. Almost everybody goes through that same kind of a think, uh, thinking like, is this for me or is there some other reason? But if he says he loves you, and if he's coming home, then that does mean that, that even if his motives were not 100% pure, and by the way, I don't know that anybody's motives about anything is, are ever 100% pure. I mean, there's mixed things going on with all of us. But the fact that he says he loves you, the fact that he's coming home, means that there is a possibility of putting this back together. Now, I know that you've been hurt to a degree, so has he. Do you guys have any kind of plan in place? as to what you're going to do to make this reconciliation work? Um, We've talked about going to counseling, and I've obviously been using you guys as a resource for the last year and a half. I've talked to Rusty. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we'd love to do the course um, Mm -hmm. at some point, um, but I think he's, you know, he's still hesitant about uh, jumping in right away to any sort of therapy because he just wants some time for us to, um, spend on our own and be in the present moment and be happy again and just to see if we can even, you know, be ourselves again um, before we jump into mm-hmm. all this stress about the therapy and everything. But, I mean, right. I guess that's my question is how do we even start um, rebuilding this to make sure that, you know, in a year from now we're not divorced um, because of all the destruction okay. that's been done from the open marriage. All right. Well, we're about to uh, actually make a, a program about this that kind of gives it a lot, 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 lot more detail than I'm about to give. But Kimberly, we've been talking about this for a while, that reconciliation, that when a couple first comes back together, mm-hmm. it, it should be kind of with a dating concept. Like mm-hmm. don't have a whole lot of expectations right. to begin with. It's like starting over. And right. so therefore just date each other, get to know each other again, be able to learn how to talk to each other without having to deal with the major issues to begin with. And too many couples want that. Either I have an expectation that you're going to walk in the door and it's going to be, everything's going to be great, which is not the way it works, or that you're going to walk in the door and we're going to start into this intensive conversation with each other to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. And typically that blows up in your face because mm-hmm. it takes a while of just getting used to each other again, having those conversations, easing into that. Now, since you're not ready to uh, 
come to our three-day intensive, which is what we would definitely recommend. And we've had many, many couples in your same situation where they've been in open marriages and, and one or both of them get involved with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then they come to the workshop. We're able to help them quite a bit. And mm-hmm. so obviously we hope you can come to that. But if you're not ready for that, then the next thing we'd recommend is that you deal with one of our coaches who, who can help you understand, okay, what went wrong with the relationship? You already know the, the pitfalls that come with the open marriage. All right, what about the relationship itself? Mm-hmm. How do you put that back together? How can you heal that? Right. And we have some coaches that can be very, very good mm-hmm. in helping that particular situation if he's not ready to come. Now, this is not therapy. Coaching is not therapy. Our coaches are not master's level or PhD level counselors. They're coaches that we have trained and certified that can help you guys think through things. And so we would recommend that you get into coaching, at least you, if not both of you, get into coaching right away. And forgive me if that sounds like a commercial, but I just don't want you to lose it. You're headed in the right, right. direction. Things yeah. are going well. And and we see so many couples that start to reconcile and then it, mm-hmm. it, it blows up and they go, oh, there's no use. When we are saying, let us, somebody, but we're happy to do it and we know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Let us help you ease into this reconciliation in a way where that is more likely to work than to blow up. Absolutely. That was the only thing that scared me that she was saying of, well, he just wants to come back and us kind of be us for a bit and see how we can be happy. And I'm thinking, take your expectations down 10 levels Mm -hmm. because don't expect it to just get back into your groove. And that's my hesitation. It's you, you're going to need help with this. And you know why she said why, you know, we don't want to be divorced in a year because that happens Mm-hmm. More than we would like to say of people, mm-hmm. they do reconcile. They don't deal with the problems. They expect things to be perfect, movie, fantasy, romantic, all of it, fireworks. It's not. And then they think, why did we do this? Right. And so in a sense, they didn't really reconcile. They just moved back in together. Right. Yeah. There's a process you need to go to, especially with the trust that's been broken on both sides. I mean, that's absolutely what we would recommend. And it's not because you can't it's not because of you don't have the capability well it is because you don't have the capability if it were happening to me and my husband we would not have the capability between the two of us to see it from a non-biased unemotional level so it's not anything against you and your husband it's Mm -hmm. This is, it's just the wise thing to do. Right. Sean sounded like a very intelligent person. She did. So this is not a lack of intelligence on your part. It's just, again, that objective way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. All of us have trouble with that. And so now we're going to go to Jose in California. Hello, Jose. Uh, Hello, Mr. Dean. How are you? How are you? Uh, Hi. Good. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. How may we help you, my friend? Uh, the reason I'm calling is because about a month and a half ago, uh, my wife came from uh, from a workshop for her work from Utah, and then before she came back, she asked me for the divorce, saying that she was done, and gave me no really of an explanation of why. And up until this point, we have been talking about you know splitting up and why not, and nothing really uh, serious after that. But uh, long story short, she came back, and I had a feeling that, you know, she was cheating on me, and I broke her trust and went through her phone, and, you know, I came to realize that, yeah, she did have an episode with an ex-co-worker that happened to be in Utah also, and, uh, you know, ever since, I was waiting for her to be upfront and honest, because that's what I, I expected from her. 
um, and she never did. So, you know, initially I was always trying to, like, get it out of her, and she never did mm-hmm. until I confronted her and I told her, you know, I know I know what you did. She never really uh, owned to it and, and accept the fact that she did. Mm-hmm. But uh, she changed her mind saying that she wanted to work on a relationship. So we're mm-hmm. kind of on that reconciliation stage now. And uh, it took a lot for her to admit that she did. Um, she agreed to go to the workshop, but we don't have a Good. day to go there yet. And so my main question is, well, how do how do I do now that she's kind of like talking to me and, and she's putting on the effort that I haven't seen in a, in a really long time and without knowing what, you know, what's going to happen between her and me. Mm-hmm. How, firm, about. how firm is her commitment to come to the workshop? Is it, I mean, is that a firm commitment? Yeah. So I initially I signed up, I signed us up for uh, counseling and she blew it off because it was right after okay. she came back from Utah. And after that, I offered her to go to a, a workshop and she agreed. Mm-hmm. It's just that we have three kids and it's kind of difficult to find somebody that could, mm-hmm. you know, look after him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand that. Who um, you do have a client representative here at Marriage Helper that you work with? Is that correct? Uh, I did. I did uh, talk. To, I forgot his name. I talked to him once. Okay. Well, if you can find his name, I mean, maybe you have an email or something from him. You should have at least. And if you can find that, call back and ask. Or you can actually call back to, the, to our front desk even, and and uh, they can look up who your client representative was, and and he can help you. So a couple of suggestions, my friends. Number one is if you can get a firm date, then that's going to be a good idea. I know that having children makes it difficult and all those kinds of things, but you're an intelligent person. You can figure that out somehow how to do that. Because if she's made a firm commitment to come, getting a locked-in date where that she knows it's going to happen on this date is better so that she doesn't start vacillating at some point so she really does come. And once she actually agrees to that and you book the workshop, you've got yourselves enrolled, the two of you are going to come, then whoever the client representative is that you're working with will send you a particular and specific video that I did that says, okay, now that we're committed to come to the workshop, now that it's a, a set day we're going to happen, what do I do now? And, and I give you several things not to do, okay? Because if you start okay. pushing and making things tough, it'll actually work against you. And so we give you some things not to do and things to do. Now, there's a video about that. I think it's like 10 or 12 minutes long that gives you all the details that you need. But if it were I, I would definitely get that date locked in that your wife is committed to so that at some point she doesn't vacillate. Yeah, it's like she knows that. Uh-oh, I pressed the wrong button. Is wrong. I'm sorry. She knows what now? I'm sorry. I said she knows that we need to, uh, there's a lot of work to do on our part. And I told her, you know, that I was working on myself and I've been mm-hmm. practicing the pies, four pies. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, she's realizing that, yeah, I'm serious about this. And she's kind of also showing me that she's serious too. But it's hard for me to to understand is how to move on without talking about anything that has, has happened. It's like for hers, I feel like it's like a temporary fix, pretending, you know, that, okay, whatever happened, happened. And from here on without talking about anything or setting boundaries. No, no. At some point you're going to have to talk about it. Yeah. But what we recommend is if she's, since she has agreed to come to the workshop, come to the workshop first. 
because we're going to give you a, a whole lot of things to understand. He about herself, you about yourself and each other, how to understand each other. And those three days, we're going to give you tons and tons of good information and methodologies and so forth. So that, yes, there does come a time when you're talking about all these things. That's important. Mm-hmm. But we're going to equip you so that you can talk about it, whether that rather than making things worse, right. it makes things better. Right. Agreed. That's all you're going to say about that? <laughs> I'm validating what you're saying. I no, but, I mean, that's absolutely why. It's not, you know, it can come across as, well, you just want us to come to the workshop. Well, we know that it has an amazing success rate, and absolutely, but we also know those are going to be difficult conversations. Now that she's back, you could, I mean, it's so easy to just say things in the wrong way, get hurt by something. You didn't realize they meant it in a different way. There's a hundred variables. And all of the things we discuss in the workshop are going to make those conversations, which are going to have to happen, make them so much better so that your marriage can come out stronger and not in shambles even after the reconciliation, just like we were saying with Sean, the previous caller. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing this particular workshop mm-hmm. for 20 years. Right. And, and we have heard so many times over the years, well, my wife or my husband agreed to go, but then I decided oh, we needed to talk about this. We needed keep to your mouth that. shut. <laughs> and, and now here she's not coming because here she's mad at me. And they're moving out. and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So we can yeah, equip well. you with the things that right. you need. And, yes, those conversations will have to occur. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to Connie in Illinois. Hi, Connie. Hello. 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 Hi. Are you there? Well, I'm here, yes. <laughs> can you hear me? I may we help you. Yes. Oh, you've got, somewhat answered my question uh, with the gentleman just before. Um, I was, I'm to the point where five and a half months out from the uh, affair being exposed. Um, my husband's not done any. He did five weeks of counseling because I forced him to do it. And, uh, but he's not, he's not done anything. He quit. He said it, it's about him. He's the one who's messed up. He needs to figure this out. Uh, he said we're not to the point of marriage counseling because this is all about him. But yet he quit the counseling. And uh, mm-hmm. I quit counseling because, you know, he said it's about the finances, but yet he's continued to train with a – go to the gym with a trainer and pay $75 a week. So I feel like the counseling mm-hmm. should be more important than that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm to the point I feel like I need to give him an ultimatum about – And what, what, what would that ultimatum be? What would the ultimatum be, Counselor? I didn't hear, Connie. What's the ultimatum? Um, well, he either needs to go to counseling – start working on himself or to move out. I mean, I know that's against what you keep saying to do, but I don't know what else to do. I feel like he's wallowing in self-pity. I think he's shamed mm-hmm. about what he's done. He won't commit to anything. He's just kind of existing. And mm-hmm. I, I can't continue like this because I, I know he's he's been in, he said he had an emotional relationship with her. He said it wasn't sexual. Mm-hmm. Um he said, I, when it first came out, I asked if he, you know, if he kissed her, and he said yes, and for, it was nine months when it started, so just a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, he told me he'd only kissed her four different times, which I <laughs> don't believe that. <laughs> why would you want to know that, Connie? Why, why would you want to know what he did with her? What's what, how does that benefit or value to you? It gives me an understanding more where his relationship was with her. Not really. What's going to happen there, Connie, is this. You're just going to hurt yourself. If you're asking questions like, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do the other? Whatever he answers is going to cause you more pain 
Now, if what you really want to do, if what you really want to do is to save the marriage, to make it good again, then I would strongly suggest that you don't ask the kind of questions that the answers to are just going to hurt you. Now, obviously, you can do what you wish and is your choice. I mean, I don't make your decisions for your life. And if you're at the point where you're saying, okay, either this is going to have to happen or the marriage is going to end, if you really are there, then obviously what you're calling an ultimatum would be the appropriate thing to do. We would not call it ultimatum. We just use a different word. We call it a core, a continuing a relationship essential. Like you must do this if this relationship is going to continue. But whenever you do that, and, and we'll just use the word ultimatum because you did. If you're going to do that, you have to be prepared to bring about the consequence. If you say either this is going to happen or I'm going to see a divorce attorney, then then if you get that ultimatum and you say, and, and this has got to happen by the next two weeks, whatever it might be, if he doesn't do that, then if you don't see the divorce attorney that you said you were going to see if he didn't, then you can't give any more consequences at all because of the fact that he's going to know it's just not serious. You're not really going to do that. And so my urging to you is don't ask any more questions that are going to hurt you. There's no benefit to you. There's no benefit to you whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make anything any better. And if indeed you are ready to end the relationship, if he doesn't do blank, whatever blank is, then you can think that through very carefully and decide, okay, if I'm going to give this, this continuing our relationship essential, this ultimatum, as you call it, okay, by when does he have to do that? And what are you going to do if he doesn't? Now, one other thing, Kimberly, she Mm -hmm. said to go see counseling. Yeah, I've been thinking about that the whole Mm -hmm. time. And that would be my encouragement is to really refine why you're asking him to do what it is you're wanting him to do. So the core in this situation, um, I didn't hear back. What is the reason for counseling? Is it because you believe the counselor is just going to magically change something? If so, what is that thing that you're hoping is going to come out of it and make Mm -hmm. that the core instead of, go to the counselor. Maybe it's, you know, to be able to get out of that self-pity and be able to move forward in us doing some things together to work on our marriage. That might not necessarily come through counseling. It might better come through some other avenue. But if it is going to come through counseling, you better know that the counselor that he goes to isn't going to say, no, you made a mistake or whatever. I mean, that's not going to get you to your end goal. So I would refine that a bit more. Yeah, before you give your husband the ultimatum, you better find a counselor that's going to be in tune and harmony Mm -hmm. with what it is you want to accomplish. You say, well, oh, it's a marriage counselor, then they're all going to be about saving the marriage. I wish. Not necessarily so. The good marriage counselors are worth their weight in gold. We love them. We cherish relationships with them, and we send people to them when people need that kind of thing. But you better check that out in advance. Don't assume that because he or she advertises themselves as a marriage counselor that they're going to be pro-marriage. As a matter of fact, one very famous marriage counselor, I won't even mention the state that he's in, we had a person call us and say, it's either coming into your workshop or going to see that counselor. Now, if going to see that counselor was the better option, then we're all for him going to see that counselor. I mean, it's like you do what's best for you. But out of curiosity, we looked this counselor up. And on his web site, he says, I don't see saving the marriage as necessarily being the goal of what I'm doing here. My goal is to help each person wind up being happy with who and what they are. So if, if, if your husband walks in saying, I don't want to be in this marriage, or I don't like being in this marriage, or I want to be with that other woman, if that's the goal of the counselor to make you happy, what do you think they're going to recommend? And so if you're going to start giving that ultimatum, I would strongly urge you to make sure that if you're thinking about counseling, you interview a counselor. 
and you make sure that he or she don't just ask superficial questions, ask specific questions. Mm -hmm. Like what if he says he wants to be with the other woman? How are you going to deal with that? Mm -hmm. Because I want somebody that's going to stand beside me and help me fight for the marriage. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be up to you. That's right. So now let's go to Nigeria. Ooh, we got a caller from Nigeria. Hi, Ralph. How are you? Hey, Ralph. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, yes. We can hear you now. How may we help you, Ralph? Yeah, good evening. It's a pleasure um, to join um, your program for tonight, the live program. Uh, I've been following your program on YouTube, and the last video I watched was Smart Move. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, no, the call dropped. He dropped. Oh, my goodness. That call from no. Nigeria dropped. It's just sad. Oh, I'll have man. to call us back. Well, let's see. We're going to read his question. How do I make her feel love while using smart contacts? She doesn't trust me. Okay. Let's try to talk about that since okay. hopefully he can still hear this or replay it in Nigeria. Yeah. And we're so sorry. We're so sorry, Ralph, that your call dropped. We would really want to help you here. Smart contact doesn't mean no contact. And smart contact doesn't mean that you don't love. Mm-hmm. Give a brief, brief explanation, if you will, Kimberly, what smart contact is. Mm-hmm. So smart contact is an acronym that stands for the following. The S stands for stop push behaviors, where we're trying to stop the things that are pushing our spouse further away. Things like begging, pleading, whining, trying to manipulate, trying to control, a bunch of things like that. And then it moves into the end. We try and manage business items together. So what that means is you're managing, uh, you're talking to your spouse about things that aren't about the problems in your marriage. You're trying to talk about other things that make sense to talk to your spouse about Mm -hmm. the kids, the mortgage, whatever it might be. A stands for allow your spouse to respond. So if you're talking about these things and they're opening up to you, allow that conversation to happen. And then R respond in a way that is calm and strong and gentle. You respond in a way that will facilitate the conversation that keeps going and you take it one day at a time. There's the T you realize that every day is not going to be perfect and every day is not going to be terrible, but you manage how these conversations are going one day at a time. Now, a lot of times when people hear smart contact, they feel like it's a tactic that they use. They say, well, I tried smart contact today, or, um, you know, I've been trying smart contact for a week or whatever. That's not the way to do it because it's not a tactic. It's a method of communication. Um, It's something that you do. I mean, you just, it's, I can't go all into yeah, it. Yeah, it's right not now. <laughs> designed. It's not designed to manipulate the other person. No. But if you're thinking, okay, how can I make her feel loved? You see, some people think the only way she'll know I love her is if I'm calling her every day, contacting her every day, communicating with her every mm-hmm. day. Otherwise, she won't think I love her. Right. Well, if she's happy with you communicating with her every day, smart contact says, go ahead. It's not no yeah. contact. It's smart contact. And if right. she enjoys it, she likes it, she feels good about it, mm-hmm. then do it. Mm-hmm. But if she's saying you're getting on my nerves, back off, give me some space, leave me alone, mm-hmm. then calling every day is not going to convince her that you love her. Just the opposite. It's right. going to be, no, you love you because <laughs> of the fact that you keep aggravating me mm-hmm. when I've asked you not to do this. Mm-hmm. So smart contact does not mean no contact. It means being smart. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. We just have the new website up. Oh, We're still no, working out kinks. <laughs> We're still working out kinks. Are we within probably three to four weeks of being able to offer the new smart contact course? Do you think? Yes. (laughs) We've just 
changed our website, and now we've got to work out all the kinks that come with changing that. But it's already done. It's, it, uh, I'm asking our producer, is it already edited and ready to The videos are done. The videos are done, done edited. Creating the page, okay. it It's so, all on Caroline's plate now. <laughs> okay, our technical Caroline assistant. We're corner. blaming it on everybody but us. Everyone but us. We did our job. We recorded it. <laughs> It'll be ready soon, and we hope that you take advantage of the Smart Contact course as soon as it's available. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash marriagehelper. We have over 100 videos there about everything you can imagine. Or look at our website, marriagehelper.com. All kinds of articles, all kinds of great things there. And if you really want to get help, then we don't, this is not a hotline, but you call this number, and we'll direct you to the right client representative who will listen and help you understand which of our resources would be the best resource for you. And that number right. is? 866-903-0990. Resources <laughs> like the Save My Marriage course, which you can go to marriagehelper.com slash live slash live marriagehelper.com slash live and you can enter into our drawing to win we're giving away a save my marriage course in celebration of our 50th show 50th live show link is in the comments link is in the comments okay thank you very much and we hope to see you next monday for this particular program marriage hope for live thank you